Well, good morning. Great to see you all here this morning. Uh, my name is Dave. I'm the lead pastor here at Connect. If you're here for the very first time, welcome. We are thrilled that you've come to join us here at Connect Church. I hope you'll uh, return again. So I don't know about you, but in our house, we, uh, we have some different rooms. And one of the rooms we've got in our house that we like is our dining room. And uh, my wife, Casey, she's particularly fond of this room. She's got a very nice dining room table in there and chairs and uh, some nice decorations around the wall. There's always some kind of centerpiece on the table in the dining room. In fact, it's a lovely room. Uh, the only thing we don't really do much in that room is eat. It's, uh, it's a beautiful room, but uh, we don't eat in there very often. If we have company rounds, it's a nice room to have dinner in. But as a family, uh, maybe your house is the same. We have a kitchen table, and that's where we sit and eat. That's, that's the table we sit down and uh, we'll eat together. And our family, we have three kids, two are in high school, one's in grade school still. And uh, so their schedules are pretty crazy. So it's not a guarantee that we'll get to eat together as a family every night. But we try and make sure at least a few nights a week, Friday night, is typically blocked off as family dinner, uh, maybe a couple of other nights, because we actually really think that's important. We enjoy that time. We'll talk about our days at school. Uh, we'll share. Uh, we have a little thing where we go around the table, and everyone has to share one good thing and one bad thing, and uh, uh, something we learned during the day. And it's just a really fun time as a family. We have some stories. There's there's stories that my sons told when they were in grade school that we still have them retell today because we just cry laughing when they tell us these stories from years ago. Uh, we've got great memories around that table of watching uh, Will, my middle son, who's really picky about his food, and uh, his mom will make him eat something. She'll say, just try it. Just try one pea. And uh, he'll eat that pea, and then he's gagging, and we're laughing. And it's just great, real quality family time that I think he'll look back on in years to come with fond memories of the time he gagged, and we pointed and laughed. Uh, <laughs> But you know, that table, that family table, it kind of represents something that maybe it represents this in your home as well, as, as when there's business to be discussed, when we're going to talk about something, when we're talking about grades, when we're talking about an upcoming trip, it happens around that table. And if you're visiting us this morning here at Connect, uh, we're in a little bit of a, a series right now called Together for Washington. And the idea of this series is for us who call Connect Church our church home, we've kind of gathered around the table. We're sitting around the kitchen table here and we're talking a little bit uh, with excitement about what the future holds, um, with a little bit of anxiety about what the future holds because we've got some big challenges ahead of us. But it's, it's a good time as a family to be sat around the table and talking about this. So if you are visiting, I want to invite you to kind of look on and uh, spectate as the family talk about what God's doing. I don't need to feel any pressure here this morning to be a part of this conversation. You can certainly just kind of watch God at work at what he's doing. And, and here is why we're having this particular family conversation. Because what we've discovered here at Connect, this is not something that's new to us. We've known this for a long time. And that's that God is on the move. God is on the move. We feel like God is always on the move. He's always trying to, you know, anytime we get comfortable and settle in one place, we feel like he's kind of moving us to another place, whether it be in our own personal lives or as a church. He's always wanting to move us, and it's always onwards. It's always to a place of, of uh, seeing some new things happening, reaching some new people. If, if we ever get to the point where we'll feel like, you know what, we're kind of happy with the size of the churches. I feel like God's going to challenge us and say, but there are still people that don't know me. And as long as there are still people that don't know me, he'll be encouraging us to stay on the move. 
So not only is God on the move, he wants us to move with him. So right now, Connect is on a little bit of an adventure. Because our move is a very unique move. It's something that's not happened in the history of Connect up till now. But we find ourselves on the brink of a brand new chapter in the life of Connect Church. And that chapter is that we are going to be moving into a brand new location. We are moving from being renters to permanent owners of a place here in Washington. We are putting our roots down into the community and saying, this is Connect Church. This is our community, and we are here to stay. So we've got um, a building that we're buying that you may be familiar with. If you live here in town, it was uh, back in the day, the entire building was Walmart's. Then for a long time, a, a company called Tractor Supply Company met in the 25,000 square feet to the west of the building. Well, that is the portion of the building that we've purchased. We've purchased that entire 25,000 square feet, the parking in front, the um, cement area to the sides. That is the future home of Connect Church. And we are super excited about this. And we're excited for many reasons. We talked about it last week. We'll be talking about it in the next couple of weeks. But I want us to focus on one aspect of this building this morning, if I could. You see, we've always kind of had it in our minds that one day we would be in a permanent location. Now, that's not because we've disliked being here. We love it here. We love the relationship we've got with the school. We've been able to run lean for the first three, four, five years of our church, as our church, because um, being renters, we can, you know, we can keep our overheads down a little bit, which has meant we've been able to do more ministry. We've been able to reach people who uh, didn't go to church, didn't grow up going to church. We've seen new people come to know Jesus. And it's been a great relationship with the school. I love the when we pay rent, we're paying it to an organization here in the community that pours into the lives of our kids. We rent space just off the square in a building called the Connect Center. So as we've started to grow as a church, there were more needs to meet outside of a Sunday morning for our youth group, uh, for classes that we've run, for small groups. So the Connect Center came at just the right time. But we've always had this desire from the very beginning that eventually one day we'd come to the point that what happens on a Sunday and what happens in the Connect Center will all happen in one permanent location here in Washington. And when this building became available, we felt like this was God leading us to purchase this building. Now, here's one of the, the great stories behind this particular building. Now, we were open to whatever ideas God might have. We could buy land, we could build. But, but when we came across this building, it just felt right. And I'll tell you why. So if you were here last Sunday, um, we talked a little bit about a leader whose name was Joshua. And if you weren't here last Sunday, and if you call Connect Church your church home, if you feel like you have a seat at the kitchen table, I would challenge you to get online, uh, get on the app, watch the message from last week, because each week of this series, we'll be unpacking a little bit more vision, a little bit more practical information about this building and how we're going to get there. So if you miss a week, I'd really encourage you to try and catch up, just so you can stay up to date with all that we're talking about. We talked about this guy called Joshua. We talked about the fact that God had kind of raised him up to lead the group of Israelites into their new home. It's the promised land. And he was on the very edge of, of leading these millions of people into the promised land. And right there in front of him was this huge city called Jericho. Big walls all around it. It was this obstacle in the way. And I think he and the people of Israel were probably a little bit anxious. But listen to what God said to Joshua in Joshua 1 verse 9. This is my command, be strong and be courageous. 
Do not be afraid or discouraged, for, your, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Joshua is speaking to the people. He's saying, be strong and courageous, because God is with us. He's going to be with us wherever we go. And last week, we kind of said as a church here at Connect Church, we're standing on that promise. Justin talked about the promises of God that we can find in the Bible. And, and we want to claim this promise this morning saying, God, we believe you are with us. And we are excited and we are nervous, but we believe that we can be strong and courageous because we know this, that you will go with us wherever we go. We are not stepping into this alone. We are going with you. You know, if you read through Joshua, you'll find that he was actually, uh, God was faithful to his promise. God did lead the Israelites into the lands. They, they conquered the city of Jericho. They conquered some other cities. And eventually they settled in this land that became, became their home. There were hundreds of years that followed and their, nations, their nation grew. And under King David and then King Solomon, they started to build this, this city that we know today as Jerusalem. This was the center of where the, the Israelite people were now living. In the middle of this great city, they built a huge temple uh, to give God glory, a place to go and worship God. And this became their home for hundreds of years. And you can actually read through the Old Testament. It kind of reads a little bit like a roller coaster. Sometimes the Israelites were like, their faces turned towards God, worshiping Him. And there were other times where they turned their backs to Him. And there was all sorts of ups and downs through their journey. But one significant challenge came in their history. It was about 600 years before Jesus. And you can read in history and in the Bible that the Babylonians came in and they destroyed the city of Israel. All the Jews scattered to exile. They went and hid in various surrounding countries. And in the process of this siege, the Babylonians not only destroyed the temple, but they destroyed the walls that surrounded the city which in this particular culture, in this particular period of time, is basically the identity of the city. They just destroyed the city. For over 100 years, the city of Jerusalem lay in ruins, and the people, um, like I said, had fled to exile. Then we read about a guy whose name was Nehemiah. Nehemiah is this great person you can read about in the Old Testament. In fact, there's a whole book just about him, the book of Nehemiah. It's about 12 chapters long. And Nehemiah is an amazing guy. He, he kind of heard from God and felt this vision to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And we meet Nehemiah for the very first time in Nehemiah chapter 1. And right now, he's now the servant to the king of Persia. And we discover that some relatives and some friends of his come to visit him from what remained of Jerusalem. So let's read what happened there in, Jer in Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Nehemiah speaking, he says, I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. They said to me, things are not going well for those who returned to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. Nehemiah says, when I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned and fasted and prayed to the God of heaven. There were Jews, there were people of Israel who were starting to return to Jerusalem, but the city they were coming back to was just um, an empty shell of the great city that it once was. And this broke the heart of Nehemiah, which is fascinating because Nehemiah himself was, was a servant to the most powerful king in Persia. He, he was in a place of luxury, just a wonderful position. He was well looked after. This wasn't a slavery thing. This was a great prominent position for Nehemiah to find himself in. 
I've got to be honest, if I was Nehemiah, I'd be thinking, you know what? I kind of feel bad for Jerusalem, but I'm kind of feeling pretty good where I'm at right now. This is pretty comfortable life. But there was just something about Nehemiah and his love for his people and his ancestors and, and his tribe that he thought, I want to do something to make this right. I want to be a part of the solution, not just ignore the problem. So we read that in Nehemiah chapter 2, um, something starts to happen. The wheels start turning. The, the, the beginning of a journey starts in verse 1. I had never before appeared sad in his presence, the king. So the king asked me, why are you looking so sad? You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. And I was terrified, but I replied, long live the king. But how can I not be sad? For the city where my ancestors are buried, it's in ruins, and the gates have been destroyed by fire. And the king asked me, what can I do to help you? Nehemiah is saying, your majesty, I'm broken. I'm, 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 my heart breaks because the people I love are returning to their city, but the city that they're returning to is just a shell of what it once was, the identity of what made that city so special. The walls, the gates, they just are no more. And the king who respected and, and liked Nehemiah so much said, I can see that this has affected you profoundly. What can I do to help make this right? This is amazing. This is just such an example of God's providence at work in this situation. This king could quite easily have said, well, I don't care about your people. Who cares? He could have said, well, you know what? I don't like your sad face. Go, get out of here. Go back there. But he says, what can I do to help? Nehemiah very bravely asks if the king would not only release him, but if he would send him with resources to rebuild the walls and the gates. And the king agrees. He says, I will send you with the supplies you need. And Nehemiah heads back. And here's the crazy thing, and you can read about this through the entire book of Nehemiah. There's about 12 chapters in all. He actually steps into what turns out to be a really challenging journey. I think Nehemiah might have thought, well, I'll get back and everyone will want the walls to be built. It'll be a piece of cake. But he encountered one obstacle after another. If you find yourself in any position of leadership in your life right now, Nehemiah is a great book to read because he excels as a leader. He's a very wise man. You see, he was facing pressure from without. The enemies of Israel, when they heard the walls were being rebuilt, they started to, to build up armies. So Nehemiah had to kind of devise this strategy where while some people were working on the walls, others were defending the walls, and then they would trade off and... But then Nehemiah started to face some pressures from within. People were complaining. They didn't like the way the walls were being rebuilt. They didn't like who was in charge. They didn't like the... So now not only is Nehemiah dealing with conflict from without, he's dealing with conflict from within. But God was with Nehemiah. And as you go through the book of Nehemiah, you get to the end and the walls are rebuilt. And the gates are rebuilt. And this great city is once again known for these walls and these gates that fortify and, and represent this is God's city. It's a wonderful story about a great leader who rebuilds the walls of a broken city. Let me tell you why I love the book of Nehemiah. So about four years now, we've been leading Connect Church. This church started in 2013. 
One of the things I've been so excited about, I can remember before we launched as a church, we would meet with people who were planting churches and helping us with our church plant story. And I'd hear over and over again these, these stories. You know, new churches reach new people. What you're going to find, Dave, is new churches reach new people. And that was my desire. I didn't want to start a church that would just exist so the three or four other churches in town where their numbers would go down because our, our numbers went up. I didn't want to just be another alternative for people in Washington for a place to go to church. I desperately wanted to reach my friends and my neighbors and people in this community who didn't have a relationship with Jesus, who for whatever reason, maybe they've never been to church or they used to go to church as kids and have kind of fallen out of the habit, but, but whatever the reason, he wasn't the center of their lives and we wanted to draw them back in. We wanted to connect our community to Christ. And you know what? Over the last four years, we've seen that happen time and time again. And I'll tell you what we've seen happen. Even though every story is different, the common thread in all these stories is that we've seen God rebuild some broken lives. We've seen people come back and find a relationship with Jesus and things change. And, and just like we saw Nehemiah rebuild the broken walls of that once great city, we see God rebuilding the lives of people here at Connect. Bit by bit. Sometimes it happens really quickly. Other times you just, over the course of weeks and months and years, you can start to see the change take place. But you realize that we, as a church, we have the wonderful privilege of partnering with God in this redemption story. God's story is to redeem and restore our lives. He loves us all so much. So do you know why I love that building? Because this building has sat empty for many years in the middle of Washington. If we're honest, if we live here, it's a little bit of an eyesore. Once it was warmer, it was full of activity, and, but for a long time now it's sat empty. I'm excited that in a couple of years, this building will be full of life again. We're going to restore and renovate this building that there'll be life, that there'll be things happen in this, in this empty, broken-down building. You know, our desire, our goal isn't just for this to be used for two hours on a Sunday morning. That's just not who Connect is. We've got these, these crazy dreams, these wild dreams that, that this will be a building that all week long there will be things going on, activities going on. We want to serve our community. We want this to be a resource. We want it to be a great place for you to come on Sunday with a wonderful auditorium where you can sit uh, as adults in the church service, a great kids area for your kids to learn about Jesus and to, to learn about how much God loves them. But we want these rooms to be used in such a way that um, as well as a, uh, a church service on Sunday, maybe there's a, um, a school gets to use the auditorium for a recital or, or this wonderful um, arena becomes somewhere that the local community group could rent out for a presentation. We don't want this just to be a, a building that stays locked shut. We want this to be a vital part of the community. And here's why. Here's why. Because everyone who steps into that building is going to get to see the story. They're going to look around and think, wow, this, this place looks good. This, they've really turned this place around. They've taken that old empty building and there's life in it now. You know what? That's what God did to us. Our building will literally tell the story of what God wants to do in our lives and what Nehemiah did to the walls of, of Jerusalem. He's rebuilding the broken, restoring the broken to its former glory. So I'm excited. This, we, we knew that God was going to take us to a permanent location. That could have been anywhere. So, so we were excited that one day we'd have a church home of our own. 
But this particular building in the middle of town, I think even this God's got a story to tell about the building itself. So we are super excited as as Connect family sat around the kitchen table today. We're excited about this opportunity that God has presented to us. Um, And we're looking forward to um, hopefully by the fall of 2019 having our weekly services in this building. But it's not just going to happen like that. There are some, some hurdles that we've got to overcome to get there. And we, we announced this last Sunday. We explained last Sunday that the cost to buy and renovate this building is right around $1.4 million. That's a big step for us as a church. That's a, a big step from being a church that meets in the middle school to, to paying that large sum of money to, to own a building. But we feel that God's in it, so we're stepping forward with faith and with, with confidence that this is God's plan. And rather than try and finance the entire amount and and really limit the ministry that we're able to do from a financial point of view, we've decided to to step towards the church. This is the kitchen table conversation and say, we think that together we can actually raise $700,000 of that amount. We believe that our Connect Church family, those that call Connect Church their church home, they could actually help to raise $700,000 of that over the next three years. We've got a plan about how that's going to happen. If you weren't here last week, we gave out these brochures. They're in the foyer on the way out, so, so please grab this. This will talk a lot more about the plan and, and how we hope to do that. And there's some frequently asked questions at the back. So hopefully this will kind of educate you a lot to this whole idea of, of how this is going to happen. But we know that however good our plan is, if God isn't at the center of it, it's pointless. So next Saturday night, the, the big reason for our worship night isn't just to worship God. While that is a great reason to get together, it's to stand before God and say, God, we're stepping into a very big step of faith here as a church. And God, we need you to show up. We want to tell stories next year when this is our permanent location of some miracles of how God provided so that we could, we could acquire this building. So that number, 700,000, that's a scary number to look at, okay? That's a big number. It's like, how can this small group of people raise that much money? Well, let me tell you how this morning. We talked about this last Sunday. We introduced the number. I want to break it down a little bit more for you this morning and kind of explain how we think it's possible. So I'm going to introduce you to a new number. You're going to learn a new number this morning. Some of you are like, seriously, Dave, we've just learned that number, and that terrifies us. Let's just stop with the numbers, all right? But this number is a little bit of a smaller number, a little bit of an easier number to, uh, to look at. This second number is the number 115. 115. You might say, well, what's that number? Well, while we've been leaning into God and praying and, and using some faith, we've also got some great leaders here at the Connect Church who are very wise and gifted financially. We're actually working with a company that helps churches that are looking to, to raise money like this. And, and we've been able to ascertain that we feel that our Connect family, people who call Connect Church their church home, those who, who are kind of committed members, we feel that there's at least 115 individuals or couples or families represented within that group. At least 115 um, kind of groups that, that make up people or couples here at Connect that would call Connect Church their church home. So here's, here's where the, the challenge comes from us to you this morning is that will you be one of those 115 
Will you be one of those 115 who will say, yes, I want to be a part of that three-year commitment. I want to be a part of that, that commitment to say, I want to give just a little bit more over the next three years to help buy that building. In two Sundays, we're actually going to have a commitment card. It's called Commitment Sunday. Every single person who comes in is going to get a commitment card. And we're hoping and praying that morning that at least 115 individuals or couples or families will fill out one of these commitment cards. And together, we'll raise that total. Now, here's why I love the number 115 just a little bit more than the other number. Because I know that here at Connect Church, we've got all sorts of different people from all sorts of walks of life. I know that when it comes to that commitment, some of you may be in a position in life where, where um, life has been very kind to you, you're in a good place, and, and you may say, yeah, Dave, I want to I commit, I want to be a part of that journey, and, and you may be able to give a significant donation. You may be able to give a significant amount each month or a significant one-time donation. And that's awesome. We're really, really excited about that. But there might be some of you here this morning, you're thinking, man, I want to help, but I'm not sure that I could do much. I'm not sure that I could do much. Here's the thing. We know that if we can get 115 people, 115 couples, 115 families on board, every person matters. There'll be some that'll give a lot, some that'll give a small amount, but together we'll reach that total. And what that means is if we reach that total, that every person that made up that 115 is as important as the other. Because it took all of them to get us there. Do you know, I was talking to a, um, a couple here at Connect a while back about this, this whole process. And we were talking about the 115 and we were talking about the ways to give. You'll, you'll see in the brochure, there's like a little table that breaks down. You know, if you gave this much a week, it'll be, it would turn into this much a month, which would be this much a year. And, and one of the numbers in the brochure is $1,500 over a three-year period. So that would equate to $500 each year or about $40 each month. So this couple went home, and that night they talked to their, um, their high school son, and they were telling him about the conversation we'd had. And he got really excited about the new building, and he got excited about what Connect's doing, and he got excited about the, the 115. And he said to his parents, he said, I think I, could do, I think I could help. I think I could do that 1,500 number. I think I could do that. His parents text me the next day and says, you need to know our son wants to be a part of this. He thinks that he can give that $40 a month and he wants to commit to it. And he says he wants you to know that that $115, you've, you've got one already of that $115. That was so encouraging to me because he could very easily have looked and thought, well, what difference is, is a small amount like that going to make? Well, it's going to make a lot of difference because now you're one. And now there might be someone else and someone else and someone else. And before you know it, will be at that 115, and every person will play a part. So we're going to celebrate that number over the next few weeks. So I want to give you like a little practical illustration to help you understand just the idea of generosity here this morning. Some of you have seen this, this ladder here on the stage. It's probably scared you just a little bit, knowing me, uh, that I probably shouldn't be anywhere near a ladder. And you're right. I really, if there's anyone that shouldn't be using a ladder as an analogy on a stage that's already three or four feet off the ground, it's me. I really, really shouldn't be. But I'm going to anyway, because that's how much I love and care about you. And that's how much I want this illustration to work. So, 
So this young man, he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give, and, and some of you are going to get this commitment card in a couple of weeks, and you're going to be praying, hopefully between now and then, God, God, what would you have me do? How, how would you have me give? So I want to talk just a quick second here, because I think there's like three groups of ro- people in the room this morning. I think this morning, you'll probably find yourself in one of, of three groups of people. Actually, there's four groups. Maybe there's someone here who won't give. You're still new to connect. You're visiting, and, and that's absolutely fine. I don't want you to feel any pressure this morning. I hope you'll come back. This is a unique series we're in right now, and like I said, we're at the kitchen table. Feel free to keep coming and, and spectate and watch, and I hope and pray that you'll see God at work, and you'll be amazed, thinking, wow, that church really is passionate about reaching people far from Jesus and, and doing whatever it takes to get there. So that might be the fourth group, but the three groups I want to talk to this morning, the, the first group is those of you who maybe you've been coming to Connect for a while now, and uh, you've yet to kind of cross that threshold of giving, I mean, maybe if the bucket's gone by, you've put some change in or some bills if you had them in your, your pocket, but it was kind of a random thing and it was only when you were here and, and you've been thinking about it. You've been thinking, you know, I kind of look around. I think it's good what they do here. I believe in this church. It seems that they're using the money for some good things. And I, I'd love to, if, if you ever need to sit down, we have people on our leadership team that would very happily explain to you how the, the wealth is distributed, what we do with it to reach people both here in Washington and in outside communities. But, but you've kind of found yourself thinking, I think I want to start giving. I think I want to start giving systematically here. I think I want to start giving regularly, not just here and there. I want to have a plan of how I'm going to give. Maybe for you, this is that opportunity. Maybe for you, in a couple of weeks' time, when you get this card, that will be your opportunity to say, I don't want to just give kind of willingly. I want to, to step up to the very first rung of the generosity ladder, and I want to get on this ladder, and I'm going to start giving on a regular basis. And you might fill out that card, and that regular amount might be this or this or this, but whatever it is, it's not the amount that's important. It's the fact that you've decided to step up onto the ladder and say, I want to give regularly. My hope and prayer is that this is something that you will see the benefit of in your lives. That even after the campaign's ended, you'll, you'll be encouraged to see the benefit of being able to give to a church, to an organization that you believe in and that you believe that you see what's happening. So, so that's the first group. Maybe you're here this morning and you'll be challenged to give and step onto that first rung of the ladder. Now maybe you're already on the first rung of the ladder this morning. Maybe you give here at Connect on a regular basis. And in fact, as I've been talking about this and the idea of giving, you've thought, well, I'm already on the ladder. I already give. I give every week. I give faithfully. And why would I have to give anymore if I already give? Well, the truth is, you're right. I want to say I am so incredibly thankful for those of you here this morning who give regularly in a faithful way every single week. We couldn't do this without you. We couldn't turn on the lights. We couldn't pay the rent. We couldn't pay our staff. We couldn't buy the supplies we need for our kids. We couldn't buy the um, materials we need for Connect Youth to meet on a Sunday night. Because you give regularly and faithfully, lives have been changed. And if you decided this morning that you never wanted to give again, I would still be incredibly grateful for everything that you've done up till now. Because you have changed the lives of some people for eternity. When you hear those stories at baptisms and at Easter, those videos, you played a part in that. Your generosity, your giving helped those lives change, helped reach those people for Jesus. So you may be here this morning saying, well, I'm on the first rung already. Whoa. It's going to be an exciting morning. 
I'm on that first rung. Why should I give more? Well, maybe this morning, if God is on the move, as we established earlier, maybe he's on the move in your life. Maybe he's saying, well, I know you give. In fact, you give so faithfully that you don't even notice it's gone. You've actually learned to live without that. There's actually no faith elements to it because it's almost become part of your budget. When was the last time you chose to stretch yourself in that area? And maybe for you, even though you give right now regularly, God's saying, well, I want you to, 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 to give a little bit more for this campaign. It's getting scary now, <laughs> both in the giving and in, in real life. <laughs> maybe God's got you on the first round, but he's challenging you to move to the second. And you're in that group of people this morning. I hope you'll pray and ask God to speak to you over these next couple of weeks. God, is this time for me to stretch myself a little bit over these next few years and and choose to give a little bit more? Or maybe you have stretched yourself. Maybe you've chosen to give regularly. Maybe you've chosen to, to stretch yourself in that giving. Maybe God's talking to you this morning about what it would look like to go to this step. It would look kind of like this because I'm scared of going too high up on that step. <laughs> so that's as far as I'm going to go because uh, <laughs> I've broken too many ankles in the last year to be uh, on a ladder on a stage. But what does this step represent? Well, I'll tell you what this step represents. So for Casey and I and our family, this is the step that we've decided we're going to try and get to. This step for us, for the Janes, kind of represents not just giving regularly, not just trying to give in a way that maybe stretches us each year, you know, just because we gave that last year, is that what God wants us to give this year? Should we give a little bit more? Could we give a little bit more? But as we come into this campaign, we're, we're doing a couple of things, Casey and I. We're, we're praying and we're trying to involve the kids in this decision. Because we've been a part of churches in the past that have had campaigns. We've been to fundraisers for organizations like Young Life that we think are fantastic, and at the end they've asked for donations, and we've given one-time gifts, and we've chosen to support through organizations like Young Life and Compassion. But one of the things we're doing is we're praying, saying, God, we want to be able to give to this campaign more than we've ever given to anything else. So any other campaign we're part of, we want to do more here than any other one. Now, I hope you know me well enough to know that I'm not, I really am not trying to say that in any kind of prideful way. I just want you to know that as, as your lead pastor, I would never expect something of you that I wasn't willing to stretch myself in. So that's what we're doing. Case and I, we're trying to kind of stretch ourselves and say, God, we could very easily sit down and come up with a whole list of reasons why this isn't the best time for us to be given money. I've got a son who's almost college age. Got another son who's about to get his driver's license. We'll need another car. I've, I've got lots of reasons, but we're saying, God, what do you want us to do? That's the first thing we're praying. And God, what's the, what could we do that would stretch us? That maybe over the next couple of years, we'd, we'd actually kind of look at it as a sacrifice. It, it might be a sacrifice for us, but that's where we feel God's leading us. And in closing this morning, I'll tell you why. Because even if this was the only reason, it would still be reason enough for us to give. We've seen, I've seen the change God's made in my life. I've seen the change he's made in others' lives. If, if I can invest into a church that's going to help reach more people and see more lives changed, I would do it just for that. That would be reason enough. But here's the second reason, because I've learned this in my life, following Jesus and giving. 
This is never easy for me to talk about a subject like this. I'd far rather talk about something fun like politics that's easy to talk about. (laughs) This is a tough conversation to have. But here's the thing. When I read the Gospels, when I read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and, and they talk about the life of Jesus, this is something Jesus talked a lot about. He talked about possessions. He talked about giving to the poor. He talked about money. He talked about a rich young ruler. Because he knew that for all of us, this is a big part of our lives. It has a lot of control over some of our lives. It can have a lot of harm in some of our relationships. So we just decided very early in our marriage, Casey and I, that we want this to be an area that God has control of in our lives. Because we don't want it to, to destroy us. We don't want to destroy our family. We don't want to destroy our marriage. So we said, God, we want you to have control. So as part of you having control, we're going to give on a regular basis. And if we feel you're challenging us to give more or to give to something like this, God, we want to hear your voice and we want to do that, even if practically we've got lots of reasons why maybe it's not a good reason to do it. But here's the second reason why I think it's good to give. We've got a couple, a young couple in our church. They just very recently, uh, I say very recently, in the last few years, found their way to connect, found their way into a relationship with God. We baptized both of them here. Just a great young couple, young family. I've had the privilege of getting to know them and watching them grow in their faith. They've got involved in a small group. They took our Dave Ramsey class. And they told me recently when I was talking to them, they said, you know, it's the craziest thing, Dave. As we've done this Dave Ramsey class, we've really felt that as we're growing as new Christians, that God's been challenging us to give. In fact, we actually believe uh, the Bible teaches you should give 10%. And and that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to get to this point. Sometimes you hear this word tithing. We're trying to get to this point where we're going to be tithing. They said, so we decided that's what we're going to do. We get paid twice a month. So every time we get paid at the end of the pay period, right before we get paid again, hopefully we'll have enough money left so that we can give the amount we want to give. They said, we did this for months. Sometimes we'd have just enough. Sometimes we wouldn't have enough, but we'd give anyway. And then sometimes we had nothing. and We couldn't give a thing. So after several months of living this way, we thought, you know, we think maybe we should give first. And then live off the rest. They said that was really hard for us because we knew some months when we chose to give at the end, there wasn't money left. But they felt like God was leading them this way. So that's the decision they made. They said, here's the crazy thing, Dave. We cannot explain this. But since we made that choice to give first, every month we have enough. Every month we still have enough at the end to buy the groceries, pay the bills. They said just on paper it doesn't make sense. But I believe that God's choosing to bless them in their finances. God's choosing to bless them as they've chosen to give first. So if the only reason was to see lives changed, I would still give. But there's this second wonderful reason of seeing God's miraculous work in your life, in the area of your finances, when you choose to say, God, I'm going to put you first by giving in this way. So next week, we're going to talk some more about the the building and some more practical details. I hope you'll come as we continue on this journey. But as I close out to pray this morning, I'm going to pray that for every one of you this morning, you say, God, where where am I on this ladder right now? Am I even on the ladder? And I ask you to say a really difficult prayer this week. God, do you want me to take a step up from where I am right now? Would you pray that with me? Father, thank you so much for the wonderful people who call Connect Church their church home. As we're sat around the kitchen table here, it's with excitement that we talk about the opportunities ahead. 
But we also recognize that as well as this being a time to provide us with a new location and lots of new opportunities for ministry, it could very well be a time that you want to use to stretch us in our faith in you. Maybe, Lord, you want us to take a step further up the ladder of generosity. So, God, I pray in Jesus' name that over the next couple of weeks, every one of us would pray this prayer. God, what would you have me do? God, what's your number? What would you have me do? That's the prayer that Case and I and our family are praying together. And I pray for those here who call Connect Church their church home, family sat around the table this morning, that you would give them the courage to pray that prayer too. In Jesus' name.